The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about a couple of our sponsors. The first, thequantedge.com. It is a great new place to go get your fantasy DFS help. You go check them out. They have a great lineup optimizer, injury tool, head-to-head matchups, all the good stuff you are looking for to help you build your NFL DFS lineups. Attention up, folks. Are you tired of getting crushed by the pros? DFS players, sports bettors, listen up. TheQuantEdge.com has the tools you need to play like a pro. With the lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, and head-to-head tools, you'll be armed with everything you need to win. They've already added UFC. They're going to add more and more sports, more and more tools. It is a great, great setup. You can make up to 150 lineups in seconds, see matchups to exploit, and compare players to help you make the right decision you're on the fence about at thequantedge.com. You get exclusive access to our industry experts, articles, podcasts, and the TQE community by participating in the premium membership chat. We at Bench with Bubba have a special deal for our loyal listeners. Using promo code BENCHED, when you check out, you'll get up to 20% off a month's subscription at thequantedge.com. So go check them out. Promo code BENCHED for 20% off your month's subscription. Also, go check out Draft.com, Draft in your app store, an awesome way to play fantasy sports, snake-style drafts just the way you like it. They also now have auction drafts, all kinds of cool stuff there, and it's really, really fun to play. They have football, golf, hockey, basketball, baseball, you name it, they've got it for now. And when you use promo code SD Sports at checkout, you'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. So go to Draft.com, Draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports at checkout for entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. If you can give us a rating and review on iTunes, we'd much, much appreciate it. It would help move the podcast into bigger and better things. With that being said, let's get started with episode 125 of Bench with Bubba with special guest Jim Day of the Fighting Chance Fantasy and FNTSY Radio, recapping the week five fantasy football action and giving a little week six preview.
And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench. We're going to recap the NFL Week 5 action, get you a little preview into Week 6 for your fantasy football rosters. In order to do so, joined by a special guest this week, you can find him on FNTSY Radio, on Fighting Chance Fantasy, and on Twitter at Fantasy Taz, Jim Day. Jim, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to yeah, thank- it. Thanks for joining me. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Got to do a couple drafts with you this year, and I know the Fighting Chance boys very well, so uh, good to have you aboard. Really good. Cool. Yeah, they're, they're good guys over there. You know, uh, Ryan and Steve do a heck of a job, and it's just fun to work with. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let's just get right into it. It was, a, it was a hectic week five, crazy week five. We'll try to hit on all the uh, the main topics at hand here, but we'll kick it off with the Thursday night action um, the Colts, they tried to hang in with the Patriots. It wasn't happening. But kind of one of the big takeaways that I noticed is Eric Ebron continues to be just an absolute target monster. He likes to drop a couple passes in time, but he's a target monster. And um, until Doyle comes back, he looks like it's his gig. How much are you believing in, in uh, Ebron the rest of the, like, the way, or is it only why Doyle's out? No, no, I, I like him. He's not going to get the targets he's getting with while Doyle's out. But even while, when Doyle comes back, he's still going to be a part of this offense. Look, you know, the wide receiver core on that team is definitely not what you would consider top of the line. Uh, you know, Ebron has his faults, like the occasional drop pass, but he still gives them big play uh, potential. And he scored even when, in the beginning of the season, even when Doyle was in there, he was the one getting the goal line looks. Yeah, no doubt about it. On the New England side of things, uh, we saw Sony Michelle have another great game. Got the rock a ton. And then James White basically is a wide receiver one almost in that offense, the way things are going these days. Um, Edelman's back. But when we're just looking at the the wide re- or the running back landscape, but just the two-headed monster for once, do you feel safe running both out in, in all formats? Pretty much. Uh, you know, I, I definitely prefer Sony Michelle in the standard format because he's not really going to catch a lot of passes and he's going to be touchdown dependent uh, in, in standard, you know, otherwise he's, you know, you're looking at eight and nine points on, a, on even on a good week. So it's going to be hard for him to really put up points uh, in a PPR league, but you know, he's getting touches right now, which a lot of these running backs, you can't say that about. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's pretty impressive what's going on there. Anyway, and then as they continue to gain steam after that slow start for many, uh, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. They had a rough, rough weekend up in the Northeast in uh, Buffalo, New York. Not quite the outcome we all hoped for after watching the Titans' offense blow up the week before. Mariota was abysmal. The Titan running running back situation is a mess. How do you assess this situation? Because we all had high hopes of like Corey Davis and Tywan Taylor. Many, many other targets there, and then it just lays a complete egg in a great matchup. Well, you know, Buffalo, while being the laughing stock of the league so far in the year, except when they beat Minnesota, is pretty is a pretty tough defense, especially at home. Um, you know, last week we saw Corey Davis go up against Varian White most of that game, and he just shut him down, which is, you know, pretty much what I expected. White is one of the better covered cornerbacks in the league, and right now he's pretty much shutting down everybody he faces. So I, I have no problem with that. It's a one-week, you know, aberration. You know, hopefully I expect Corey Davis to bounce back a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm still not sold that he's a wide receiver one yet at this stage in his career, but he's their best option. So he's going to continue to get a lot of cho- chances in this offense. What are you doing with their running back situation right now? Because Derrick Henry, unless he gets probably 20-plus touches, doesn't seem to do anything. And even, uh, you know, 
out of the backfield in the passing game, we thought there'd be options there, and it's just not happening. So what are we seeing there at Tennessee's running backs? Well, Henry is pretty much a done deal. I mean, he's not doing anything, like you said. He hasn't had one single game yet with over six points, uh, six fantasy points. So he's not helping you at all. Uh, I, I hate to say drop what is considered a starting running back, but he is probably as close to droppable as anybody I could tell. Deion Lewis, while he's not having the year that a lot of people thought he would, especially after that great first week, uh, but he's still a number 22nd running back in PPR. So, you know, still solidly at the, the bottom of that RB2 uh, ladder, what you're looking at there. So he's going to have some bigger games. He's going to have some smaller games. But at least as the pass catching back, he's going to have options. Okay. Yeah, Deion Lewis was the only one I kind of cared about, but – it's a mess right now. Mariota's, you know, not doing it. It's a mess in Tennessee. I'd be curious to see how they bounce back. Maybe it's just like you said, tough defense, tough environment. Go from there. Let's go to Green Bay where they pulled off uh, or they lost by eight to Detroit thanks to uh, a great kicking game by Mason Crosby, an outstanding kicking game. <laughs> but um, Rodgers continues to play well. A couple questions I have for you first. Um do we ever believe that McCarthy's actually going to realize Aaron Jones is a good running back, or should we just move on from the situation? Well, look, it's really – it's more Aaron Jones' fault than it is McCarthy's at this point. Aaron Jones, while being the best running back on the team, is not a good running back for protecting his quarterback. And that – while you have Aaron Rodgers, who's not 100%, and you have to really protect him, that's going to limit his time on the field, and that's exactly what we're seeing. He can't get enough time on the field because Jamal Williams is so much better at picking up the blitz, reading defenses, all the things that you need a running back to do that Aaron Jones has not learned yet. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about the new toys he had because Cobb and Allison were out this week, and we know how well they fit in this high-powered offense. Devontae Adams got the, the good to go on Sunday, and he had a great game, as you'd expect. But uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Ekmas St. Brown got their, their feet wet in the Aaron Rodgers offense this week. Um, you know, Brown actually had five targets and three catches. Scantling had 10 targets, seven for 68 and a touchdown. He had a hell of a game. Um, what are we looking like waiver wire wise? Because most of those, both those guys should be out there. You'd imagine Allison comes back soon. Cobb's injury could linger. Who knows? How do you look at these new toys for Rodgers in a high powered offense? Well, I do believe Allison will be back uh, this week. I mean, you know, you don't normally miss more than 10 days for a concussion unless it's a really bad one. His didn't really look that bad when it happened, but you really don't know. So we have to watch the, the uh, practice reports this week, the injury reports, see what they have to say. But uh, Equanimous St. Brown, I mean, he really is a you know total flyer. Like you said, he, he had five targets, which was nice, but three for 89. Hard to count on that each and every week, especially once Allison is back. Valdez-Scantlin gives him a bit more of a, a deep threat. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see which one of these guys they try and fit into that slot if Cobb misses more weeks. Uh, got to have to see that because that's going to be the big play there. Yeah, it's kind of how I felt on it is uh, I play a lot of DFS with my season long and everyone was saying it's a must play, it's a must play. And like we've seen Aaron Rodgers so many times, you never really know until he gets in a rhythm with a guy where he's going to go. Like you could have great talent. Heck, Allison was out there a lot last year and it was towards the end of the year where he finally – you know, got the trust of Aaron Rodgers. It's just how Rodgers rolls. And it looks like it was it was uh, Scantling last week. You know, Brown got some. I'm curious. I wouldn't be shocked if this week it switched. You never know with uh, with Rodgers. But I think it's MSV's like, kind of job to lose. Um, if you had to break it down, 
Like what percentage of fab would you go on on, on Scantling? Because he's going to be a popular discussion topic this week. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, let's, okay, I'm going to base it on the fact that I expect Allison to come back. So at that point, I'm only going to be looking at putting like 7 8% of my fab on Scantling. Uh, it's just, it, you know, with Allison back, I think that really limits him going forward. No, I like that. Uh, I'm glad you answered it that way because I'm trying to tell people that ask me questions, don't overpay for this one week. Just don't do it yet. You know, next year he could be a a staple in the offense and it's great, but uh, not this year. Uh, Let's go to Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette has already been declared out for week six. I'm thinking this injury is going to – I told some people I wouldn't be shocked. You know, he's probably going to come back this year, but after what we've already seen and how his injuries are and that soft tissue injury, I think they're going to be extra careful with him. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a – handful of weeks here. Um, TJ Yeldon's crushing it. Would you at this point in time buy, sell, or hold TJ Yeldon? Look, uh, I said, you know, two great weeks in a row. He's looked, like you said, there's a good chance he, he gets a starting job for another three, four weeks at least. But I think right now is a perfect time to sell Yeldon. Um, look, once Fournette comes back, whenever it is, they're going to give the job back to Fournette or at least a 50-50 shot at the very least, which is going to end up killing the value of both of these guys. While you got Yeldon high right now, people are chopping it to bit to get those running backs. Go out and see if you can get a really good deal on Yeldon. And I'm not saying, you know, sell him cheap. Go out and look for the stars at this point. He's coming off two back-to-back weeks that most of these running backs haven't seen all year. So I would absolutely say if you want to shop him, go out and shop him, but look for something big. Okay. Um, look for someone that maybe had J.H.I. and needs some help. Um, exactly. <laughs> let's – what was that? There's a lot of choices. As I was oh, there's – A lot of there's, guys beat that. There's a, there's a ton in the running back world. It's, it's, it's ugly. I was doing my waiver wire options on my on my leagues earlier today, and I was just scratching my head going, this is not pretty, and it's only week six. <laughs> um, let's talk to New York Jets, a guy that I was high on in draft season. I know a lot of people were, and – Really never got it going, and this last week, Sam Darnold decided he could throw it past, you know, the 15, 20 yards down the field, and Robbie Anderson, lo and behold, is always sitting at, you know, 40 yards down the field. So he had a big game, you know, three catches, but over 100 yards, two touchdowns. That's what you expect when you have a guy like Robbie Anderson. He's on a lot of waiver wires. Are you are you willing to go out and get him and believe this is kind of a thing we can see, or is this just a, a one-week wonder? No, I, I believe I th- I'm hoping anyway that this is the beginning of some kind of trust that Darnold knows he can go out and throw the ball to Anderson, even if he's in a one-on-one tight situation. Let Anderson go up and fight for the ball. The the one thing I found out this week was that Anunwa's hand was having an issue, and they actually had some kind of brace on his hand. And if you saw the game, the the two balls that were thrown to him literally clanked right off his hands. Um, so if that brace or his hand isn't strong enough to catch the ball, we ended up him seeing no receptions in this game, then I think Anderson has got to be their next big play. Uh, they really don't have anybody else that can really do a lot of damage. You know, Terrell Pryor maybe a little bit here and there, but Robbie Anderson might just be the next guy up. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, the new one thing was tilting because he's been having he's been having success week in and week out, and – they said he was banged up, but he was good to go. They never mentioned a brace. No beat reporter mentioned a brace, nothing. And then the game starts, and you see, oh, he's wearing a brace. This is great. Absolutely outstanding. So, uh, yeah, that's a beat reporter strike again. But uh, I'm, I'm with you. Robbie Anderson, very excited about that. 
Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, still waiting on Le'Veon Bell to get traded is my guess now because I find it hard to believe he's going to be welcomed back <laughs> in that locker room anytime soon. And after what James uh, James Conner did this last weekend, it's making it tougher and tougher to, to want him back. Um, yes, Le'Veon Bell's a great player. I'm not taking that away from him. But, you know, James well, Conner, big week one. already done something that Le'Veon Bell's never done. What was that? He's had two games so far in the season with over 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell has never done that twice in any season. And as a matter of fact, he's only done it three times in his entire career. That's outstanding. Uh, I saw a tweet today. I want to say it was Heath Cummings, but it could have been somebody else. And I apologize for getting it wrong. They tweeted out um, Lev Bell's first five games last year and Connor's first five this year. Connor has more yards, like three more touchdowns. Um, more receiving yards as well, and like 25% fewer touches. Like he's really, really getting it done, which is pretty interesting to see. Well, they, uh, they really got him more involved this week. The week before, they didn't really get him involved at all, and they said they they had to get him involved, and they actually followed through. You got to love when they actually do what they say they're going to do. Oh, don't get us involved in coach speak. Uh, look, <laughs> looking at you, Marvin Lewis. Um, I'm looking at all of them. Give yeah, they're the worst. The worst. You almost <laughs> have to just like sure there's a coach's controversy against fantasy football. I think. I think so. I think Belichick started it with this, you know, injury report. Now they've all just run with it. Um, but with the Steelers, like you said, Connor goes off this week. Big week one. Big week four, five. Kind of wishy washy in the middle. Kind of what do we expect from James Conner? Are you trying to sell him now? Because I think he, even if Lave somehow comes back, he's still going to have a huge role in this offense because it's going to be a dynamic offense. Um, so you can't just, like, give him away. But are you trying to sell him or are you just keep riding the wave? Yeah, it, you know, if I'm holding if I'm holding Bell, then obviously I want to keep him. If I'm not holding Bell, then I'm looking to move him uh, because once Bell does come back, I, you know, Conner's having a great start to the season, but I can't say he's better than Le'Veon Bell. I just can't. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is by far the better running back. And if Pittsburgh gets themselves back into contention, that big win this week definitely helped. If they get themselves back into contention, they're going to want the guy on the the field that can win them the game. And that's Le'Veon Bell. So that's really going to hurt Connor. He'll still get some touches, but it's not going to be the lion's share like he's getting now. And his value is really going to tank. So I'm, I'm telling people now, if you don't own Bell but own Connor, sell Bell now. Uh, and look high again. You know, coming off a great game, you should be able to get a lot for him. Definitely, uh, that is a trend this week. There's a lot of big running backs you can you can wheel and deal for right now. Um, the tight end situation: Jesse James again now has a week after we just got excited about Vance McDonald. Do you trust anything in that situation? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it, you know, it's really going to come down to you know Ben's going to hit the guy that's open whenever he's open, whoever it is, and he doesn't care. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, it's going to go back and forth, back and forth each week, just enough to make you pull out your hair. No doubt about it. Let's go to Atlanta, the, the Pittsburgh's opponent this past week. who kind of laid, a, laid an egg on us. Uh, but Miguel Sanu, uh, Muhammad Sanu had another huge week, third straight week of over seven targets, playing a ton out of the slot as Ridley and Jones take the outsides and getting just super production out of them. He's available in a lot of leagues still. Is this one of your must-ads of the week, or are you thinking eventually uh, teams are going to catch on? Because he seems like he's locked in right now. Hey, I told people to pick him up last week. Look, you know, Sanu is Ryan's safety blanket. He's the guy he's looking for on third down. He's looking every time he's moving out of the pocket. That's who he's looking for because he knows where he's going to be able to find him. Ridley was the big play guy, but he's still getting out-snapped and out-targeted by both Sanu and Julio Jones. 
Julio Jones got this bug on his back about not being able to score almost like there's a, a wall at the one yard line that he just can't cross for whatever reason. Uh, so, you know, but people, you know, don't buy into the Julio's done thing. It's all crap. The man is still playing amazing. Don't, don't go by just a week or two of what his numbers are. He's still close to 600 yards through five mm-hmm. weeks. He's having a great season. He's just not getting in the end zone, which is what we saw last year, 1,400 yards, only three touchdowns. I can live with 1,400 yards and three touchdowns. I really can. Yep. No doubt about it, uh, especially in our Roto League. That'll be uh, okay. Um, hey, I can't yeah, that, believe I'm doing so well in that Roto League. I've never played in the Roto League before. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. And it shows why we're, I, my, I'm in the standings. <laughs> but um, it, it's a learning experience. But with, with Julio, it's crazy because if you look at all the receiver stats, receptions, yards, everything, he's like leading the way or near in the top three or four in every category. And then you get to t- uh, touchdowns. It's just deflating. But, yes, he's still great. Like you said, the panic is like – Sure. Okay. Trading to me for you know seventy five cents on the dollar. I'll take it. Let's go. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if you're pan- if, if you're panicking that much, I'll take him in a heartbeat. He's absolutely a, a buy candidate for me if somebody's willing to sell right now. Let's talk about a receiver in Carolina, DJ Moore, rookie receiver. People are really high on him out of the draft. Uh, really never got going, but they said during their bye week they're going to incorporate him more in the offense. And look at this, he got a little bit more production this past week in Carolina. It was still kind of a weird game flow for Carolina to compare to what it was in previous weeks. But are you thinking maybe this is them actually going to get DJ more involved? Because he's a big-time weapon they could use. He is a big-time weapon. But, unfortunately, he was still fourth in percentage uh, of snaps for the wide receivers. Torrey Smith played 46 snaps. He only played 29, DJ Moore. And, you know, Torrey Smith, are you kidding me? How could you have Torrey Smith on the field that much? <laughs> and you got this young guy who's chomping at the bit, sitting on the sidelines, not doing it. Uh, you know, he was still fifth in targets. You know, it, it was better. It was good to see him get those four targets, no doubt about it. Uh, want to see him more involved. But right now, he's still low on that pecking order and really hard to believe that you can trust him in any given week. Okay. Talking about trust. I already mentioned his name earlier, but um, Marvin Lewis says Joe Mixon is going to get eased back into the offense. Joe Mixon got like over 20 touches and had a humongous fantasy football Sunday. For those that benched him, send your, uh, your questions to Cincinnati, not to us, but are you trusting this knee? Cause it scares the crap out of me when a guy has a knee procedure two weeks ago, but he's got the, the role there. No one's going to stop him. Yeah, no, it really depends on the knee procedure, you know, that they do. There's so many different ones. The arthroscopic ones really don't take much to come back from, uh, and that's what he was looking at. And we saw that. I mean, he had 25 touches in this game, uh, over 100 and, uh, oh, man, 93 rushing yards, 22 receiving yards. So, you know, not really nice game. Got to score through the air. Got to love to see that. Uh, I love that they're really getting more involved in the passing game, too. There's a chance Gio Bernard is going to be back soon. So he'll bite into it a little bit. But Mixon is still their main guy, and he showed this week why. Yeah, Mixon's a stud. Even when Gio was there, like you said, early in the season, he got his, and it wasn't an issue at all. In their tight end position, C.J. Uzuma, um, he looks to be the guy, because now Tyler Croft looks like he might be hurt as well. And he already was getting like 70-plus percentage of the snaps and everything at the tight end position. But now with Croft even out of the picture now, Uzuma's out there everywhere, and the tight end position is absolutely disgusting right now. Is this somebody worth? Is this somebody worth you know taking a fly around? Because this this Bengals offense I've talked about on other shows is way more higher power than I think many expected this year. 
No, I, I agree. And he's definitely worth the fly. Like you said, tight end position just sucks this year. Everybody just not getting it done except for the top two, Kelsey and Ertz. Even Gronk isn't getting it done so far. Mm-hmm. I expect that to change with Gronk. I'm a big Gronk guy, so I expect that to turn around for him. No doubt. I think it actually starts this week. Got a great matchup this week. Uh, but, you know, look, it, Uzuma, if you're out there scrambling, like, I mean, I would take Uzuma over guys like Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, guys like that. Austin Safarian-Jenkins is now gone, you know, so there's plenty of guys that, you know, people were thinking would be better and not getting it done. Uzuma, take the shot, especially with Croft out of there now. They'll have to go to him. Dalton likes to throw to his tight end, always has. Definitely. Um, The Raiders let us down in what should have been a shootout in L.A., and Amari Cooper, one catch for 10 yards. We've come to expect duds from Amari Cooper, but you know, he's actually had a couple of good games this year, and then he just completely does this after every one of them. Um, for those that are still trying to play Amari Cooper, do you have any words of advice for them? Okay, well, first of all, I will tell you a couple of things about Amari Cooper. First of all, over his career, in 60% of his games, he doesn't even finish the week as a wide receiver, too. finishes outside in 60% of his games. Um, Second of all, he seems to love the even number of weeks and hate the odd number of weeks. Uh, That's why he's had three bad games and two good games, both on even number of weeks. This is an even number of weeks. But last week it was really telling because, I I mean, he just had a terrible matchup. Um, And I'm drawing a complete blank right now. Give me one second. (laughs) I written down. I can't find it. Oh, man, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Uh, this past week, he went up against Casey Haywood. And if you look back at the, the two of them, they've played together quite often. Every time he's faced Casey Haywood, Casey Haywood is completely shut him down. I mean, it's not even close. One, two catches at the most in every single game. So, you know, anytime he goes up against Casey Haywood, you can't expect him to do anything. And people need to know that. So are you telling me with this being week six, we should trust Cooper again? He actually has a pretty decent matchup this week. Yeah, I actually think if you're going to run with him, this is the week to do it. Okay, yeah, he does have a very good matchup. So the Raiders might bounce back and uh, surprise a lot of people this week for sure. Uh, Let's go to Philadelphia. Jay Ajayi. We already were worried about his messed up back. Now he goes and tears his ACL, not on purpose, obviously, but tears his ACL. So he's out for the year. Clement's a little banged up, but he's still going to be coming back, if not this week. The fun, like he, He's supposed to be back this week in full full force. And you got Wendell Small, who's been playing really well in his roles. Um, if you're going out there on the waiver wire this week, how are you approaching Smallwood and Clement? I'm not. I'm letting other people approach him. <laughs> now there's rumors out there that the Eagles are actually trying to get McCoy, which would make all the sense in the world for Buffalo because he's doing nothing for them. Costing them a lot of money. Might as well try and get rid of him now for something. Uh, and, you know, Philly could absolutely use him, and he could blow up in Philly. And then anything you spend on Smallwood and Clement is going to go through the wayside. I mean, let's face it, even Clement, even if he gets a job, as soon as Sproles comes back, he's going to lose it again because they mm-hmm. like Sproles. They trust Sproles more. So, you know, it, it's a really tough situation. If you're already sitting on one of these guys, I'm telling you, right now is the perfect time to try and sell them. Oh, yeah. People will sell very high for them. I've heard on other shows and articles, people recommending 30 to 40% of their fab budgets on some of these guys. So, yeah, you can get a, a nice killing. Yeah, it's uh, especially because for me, it's not like they're going to be the every down guy. Philadelphia always uses two running backs. They always split the load no matter who it is. 
And you never know. One week it's going to be Wendell Smallwood. The other week it's going to be Clement. It's going to be game script oriented. You know, if they get ahead, then Smallwood's got a better chance. If they're playing from behind, then it's going to be Clement. It's just going to be another one of those timeshares that you really don't want any part of if you don't have to. It reminds me of a very bad New England backfield. Um, not now. Not fine. Well, not now. No, not now. Years, we got a New England backfield we can like. Yes, I love it now. Absolutely love it. I'm, I'm sorry, Rex Burkhead, but thank you. Um, Which one of these two guys is going to get hurt and screw it up for us now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. After all this talk. Uh, talking about another running back that's finally woke up the last two weeks. Not thanks to the play calling, I think more just thanks to situations. But David Johnson's had back-to-back really good fantasy weeks. Shows little signs of life. The play calling is still atrocious. Watching last week's game was just, was just mind-numbing to what they were doing. But are you believing in what David Johnson's doing yet, or are you just thinking it's a, it's a set of circumstances? Oh, no, it's David Johnson. He's going to get it done. I mean, you know, everybody's crying and screaming about how bad he is, but he's had over 16 PPR points in four out of five games so far. Last two, he's had over 20. He's still the number 10 running back in PPR leagues on the season so far. So people are absolutely overreacting. And you know what? That's a great thing. If people are overreacting, go out and grab David Johnson now. Sell him. Go go out and get use whatever you have to do to get him, even two or three for one. David Johnson will absolutely return value. Yeah, I was telling people that a couple of weeks ago. I said, go get David Johnson Why people hate him. It's going to be so worth it in the end because he'll get his because eventually the uh, head coach will realize they don't want to get fired right away. So they're going to realize how, how to win games is get David Johnson the football. Yeah, especially with Fitzgerald hurting and not not really looking like Fitzgerald of old. Mm-hmm. He's Johnson is their offense. They got to realize they need to get the ball in his hands no matter what. And speaking of the other parts of the offense there, Josh Rosen has looked okay. He's a rookie. He's going to have some issues, but he's extending the field. He's doing things we obviously weren't going to get with Sam Bradford. And Chris, Christian Kirk's getting a big recipient of this. Um, Christian Kirk is a, available on a ton of waiver wires right now. How do you look at Kirk uh, going forward with Rosen in the offense? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, the one good thing about this is that during preseason and early in the season, during practice and everything, Rosen and, and Kirk were probably the two hooking up the most in practice because they were running on the second and third teams and running together. So they were probably getting a lot of practice time together. And I think that's why we're seeing a little bump from Kirk in this one. You know, they went out this week and got Kendall Wright. So all of a sudden, this team has three slot receivers and nobody for the outside. I don't <laughs> get it. Seems I smart. don't understand it. <laughs> it seems very smart. And we'll keep running David Johnson up the middle. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be stacking 12 in the box because they don't have to go outside. It's going to be great. Um, but maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe. Let's <laughs> go to the Niners. Matt Breida for the third straight week has to get kind of limited playing time or taken out of the game because of an injury. I, they really should sit him this week if they're smart, but they'll probably run well, him out I don't again. think they're going to have a cha- choice. I think he's going to yeah. miss a couple of weeks. Some people are saying up to four weeks. You know, they said it wasn't a full high ankle sprain, but they said it was a mid to high ankle sprain. You don't come back from that in no. one week, never. It was nasty, uh, especially at the running back position. You're not doing that. So it asked some questions. You know, Alf Morris will get a bigger workload. Kyle Juszczyk has been a PPR machine. He's got over four targets in three or four games. Last week had six catches for over 70 yards. Uh, do you have any desire to take a gamble on Kyle Juszczyk? I would actually take a, a gamble on Juszczyk before I take a gamble on either of the Philadelphia running backs. Look, let's I like face that. it, Juszczyk is a, is a pass-catching fullback. 
So he can catch those passes. He's shown that his entire career. And now he's playing with a quarterback that loves to check down to those running backs. Uh, with Breida out of there, I mean, Alfred Morris is not really a threat to catch a lot of passes. Uchek is going to get, a, a, you know, he's going to get a lot of that, like, James White type of role where he's not going to do much in the running game, but he's going to get you those, you know, six, seven catches a game in this one. Even if they're for short yardage, you're still looking at most likely double-digit scores each week. I thought to say is no matter how great the production is, he's probably good for 10 plus points PPR wise in the next few weeks. No problem. So I, I think it's a great play. Um, like, like you said, is that we've seen it going with the way uh, Beathard likes to throw the ball. He just dumps and dumps and dumps. So especially with if, um, Garcon, he played through injuries last week and you got Goodwin banged up. He's got no one else to catch the darn football besides Kittle. So And Trent Taylor showed up a little bit last week. He had seven receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. I think he becomes a little bit more uh, in play just because they have nobody else. Their entire starting offense is now hurt. Yeah, because Dante Pettis is out, and I, he might come back soon, but I think he's, he's kind of going to get overlapped by Taylor. I like Pettis quite a bit as a rookie, but he might have to earn that, his stripes back. Um, Taylor is going to be available in a ton of wires and he looks really good with the, the options. And we just both said it. There's no one else out there. Do you look at a guy like Taylor and say, okay, I can give this a look. Absolutely. I will. I, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers. I actually like on the waiver wire this week. Um, and, and Taylor is definitely one of them just, you know, because he's the next man up, he's got to have to get targets. He's going to have to get receptions based on that alone. Let's talk about another guy that kind of came out of nowhere last weekend for the Seattle Seahawks. David Moore had two touchdowns. Um, you know, Tyler Lockett's still the guy there. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Doug Baldwin week because that was depressing as all hell can be. Um, really bad. But uh, David Moore had a big game. Was this kind of a fluke thing or is this, you know, we could we could look into, we could, you know, approach him like a Robbie Anderson, like a Trent Taylor as, as a waiver wire option. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to – to believe somebody in somebody who has three catches and two of them are scores that this is something you can count on from week to week, you know, more than likely most times you're going to get three catches for that 38 yards with no scores attached mm -hmm. to them, especially once defenses start realizing they're targeting him in the red zone, then they'll start to put some extra attention on him. I think that dries up. He's not really somebody I'm ready to put a lot of money on this week. All right, we already talked about, you know, guys like uh, Uzuma as a, as a tight end option in the nasty landscape. Nick Vanette's the guy there now. We thought he would be before, but he wasn't. Disley was there. Now Vanette's the guy, and he actually got some nice target work this last week. Are you jumping on the Nick Vanette wagon? Uh, again, you, you know, three for 43. He only had four targets. He did play uh, a high percentage of the snaps, uh, so absolutely. Uh, I think that continues, but I'm not sure – I don't know if it's Russell Wilson not trusting him as much as he seemed to trust Disley early in the season, but it doesn't seem to me like he's really looking for Nets' way unless he has absolutely no choice. Let's talk about the Seahawks' backfield. Uh, Chris Carson has played very well when he's on the field the last few weeks, but so has Mike Davis, and, and Pete Carroll's made it a point to say Mike Davis needs to be a part of this offense. Um, both guys are on most waiver wires, maybe not as much Carson, how do you approach this backfield? Because we've already talked committees suck. Yeah, they do suck. But, you know, I think right now what Seattle's trying to do is establish the run a lot. Um, they're really pushing it. I mean, Carson ended up with 116 yards last week, 6.1 yards per carry, which was nice. Uh, not much of a receiving threat. We've seen that. Uh, Davis, you know, still ended up with 68 yards and a touchdown. 
with a 5.7 yards per carry clip, and he caught two targets for seven yards. Not not great numbers, but definitely numbers that get you involved. These are two guys going forward that I think both have fantasy relevance. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, if you had to pick just one, which one would you rather have? Oh, I think I'd rather have Carson. He's still seeing you know more snaps uh, than Davis is at this point. Uh, I want to see if that touchdown is going to be something that is going forward being consistent that Davis becomes that goal line back at that point it might change but the one thing we do know about this backfield now is that Rashad Penny is done yeah wow he he only played one snap and that was on special teams yeah that's pretty crazy that out of nowhere gone as you know second round draft pick just gone well, I, you know, he showed up to camp 16 pounds overweight, looked like hell in preseason. That'll True. do it to a rookie every time. Yep, yep. Back to the bus, boy. Um, let's talk about Titans. And should, yeah, the Titans, this is how ugly it is, guys. Titan situation in Dallas. Jeff Swaim has actually started to garner a little attention the last few weeks there in Dallas. A little, to be, to be kind, a little. But they have no receiving threats in Dallas. So is this another one of those kind of, if you have to, tight ends? Well, over the last three games, Swaim is actually the number nine tight end on the season. That's how bad it's gotten. He scored 9.7 points, 12.9 points, and 8.5 points in those three games. That's how bad it's gotten for tight ends this year. Uh, you know, but he's getting he's gotten 15 targets over those three games. Eh, you know, not really somebody you could trust yet, but at this point, like you say, with all these other tight ends that we thought were having good seasons, uh, being out, being injured, or just not producing, I, if you have to take a flyer on him, he's you know he's a guy that's out there, and uh, like you said, the wide receiver core in Dallas is not the greatest. Neither is their quarterback. Swaim, the net, or uh, Uzma? Who rank those three for me, please? I'd rather have I'd take Uzma first. I'd take Swaim second, and Vanette third. Okay. Uh, Uzma early in the season before. Eifert was really into shape and ready to play. It seemed like they were going to Uzuma a lot early in the season. And then, you know, when Eifert went down, I expected, you know, Uzuma to get more work last week. Didn't really pan out, but neither did the Cincy offense. You know, early in the game, they didn't get anybody involved. Uh, it wasn't until late that they came back, and they did that a lot on Joe Mixon's back. Yeah, very true. I like him, and Dalton does like his tight ends. So I'm definitely keep an eye on there. Let's go to Houston where, you know, Hopkins was playing, Fuller was playing, and Kiki Kuti was playing, and he got a lot of uh, a lot of reps, a lot of targets for the second straight week. He seems to have Deshaun Watson's eye. Uh, are you thinking this is going to continue, or are you still worried that Fuller and Hopkins take too much of the workload? Well, you got to be a little concerned, but two nice weeks in a row. Like you said, last week, 15 – no, week four, he had 15 targets. Last week, it was dropped down to seven. But he still caught six of them for 51 yards and a touchdown. Nice day, no matter how you cut it. Um, you know, I, I think right now, I think he's got a comfortable floor with no running game in Houston at all. Uh, Lamar Miller, you know, was out last week, but Alfred Blue didn't do nothing. Lamar Miller didn't do anything before that. There might be hope on the future with Deontay Foreman possibly coming back in week seven. Uh, but until that happens, they have no running game whatsoever. So they're they're lining Kuti up all over the field in ways trying to get him the ball, which makes him a valuable play. And, you know, if he's still on your waiver wire, he is somebody I would pay a little up for. Yeah, I grabbed him in a lot of places last week. Uh, you mentioned Deontay Foreman, who should be back hopefully week seven. 
and and the struggles they've had there. You've mentioned. Are you going and trying to stash him now? I have already stashed him now, and okay. I've told told people that listen to me to stash him. Absolutely, uh, you know. If he's still there now is absolutely the time. You don't want to wait till week seven and try and grab him then because everybody will be on top of him. You have to do it beforehand. Yep, definitely. Um, I've done that with a couple of guys. We'll talk about one here in a minute. But uh, the Redskins last night, uh, not good. Not good at all. They got stormed by the Saints. And you know, AP dislocates his shoulder. He's already expected to play on Sunday. Uh, Chris Thompson got banged up at the end. Capri Bibbs got a touchdown. If if AP and Thompson are out, do you look at Bibbs as a viable option this week? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to – yeah, but I guess yeah, – man, that's a tough <laughs> <one>. <laughs> really I, I'm, not, to I'm not. I'll put it that way. I'm yeah, not. It's really hard to trust Capri Bibbs. Uh, yeah. Caroline is pretty r- tough run defense. 10th in the league in – uh, PPR points allowed to running backs and that's you know half the damage is in the the passing for them they've given up two passing touchdowns to running back only two on the ground so you know I don't really think highly of Capri Bibbs this week you know that, that offense is, has really been great game script oriented when it comes to the, the running backs if if they're in the game or Washington in the head then it's going to be Peterson if they're behind then it's Chris Thompson all the way and the other one pretty much falls out of it. Uh, last night, we just saw them get steamrolled by the Drew Brees train uh, mm-hmm. because of all the hype surrounding Drew Brees getting the, the new records and just everything in that stadium just being on Drew Brees. And you had to expect him having a big game and, and rolling over this Washington team. Yep, he trucked him in a, a big piece. Of that was Traycon Smith um, had a huge preseason. People loved him out of the draft, dynasty prospect, all the good talks there. Um, he, it, everyone said it, Ted Ginn's out. He fills in, he plays the Ted Ginn role, like not going to get a ton of catches, but he gets big catches for big touchdowns. Um, is this a guy you're looking at going forward or is it, is are you just going to sit back because Ginn should be back after the bye week? Yeah. Ginn is supposed to be back after the bye week. And once he does, he's going to go right back in there. Uh, you know, Trey Quan Smith is going to have a couple of other good games throughout the season on a couple of big plays here and there, but he's not going to be somebody you can count on as long as Ginn is in the lineup. Uh, let's talk about Cam Meredith, who did have a good game, and each week he slowly gets more accustomed to the playbook, and he's, he's I mean, a better game after a better game after a better game, nothing huge, but he, he's been very productive, um, and it, it seems to be getting better. Are you buying into Cam Meredith being potentially like a wide receiver three in this offense? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking more, you know, a wide receiver three in the heavy bye weeks than a full wide receiver three every week yet. Um, he did, you know, catch all five of his targets for 71 yards in this one. Uh, I still expect him to see more than that. He's just not. Uh, but again, we also saw Michael Thomas do nothing in this game. Uh, again, you know, another bad week for Michael Thomas. So, you know, uh, it's just the way the game flow worked out. Traquan Smith got the two touchdowns, really took the ball out of the other's hands when they got the big lead. They didn't really need to put the ball in the air a lot. Uh, can you uh, echo my sentiments here and tell all Kamara owners to step away from the ledge? It'll be okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here, here's a here's a thought for you. And, and you know, I, I mentioned this on my Frenzy show today. There, there's a good shot because it really looked like they were putting uh, Mark Ingram front and center in that game last night. And there's a good chance they did that for the sole purpose of seeing if they could put him up for a trade. You know, he's a free agent, 2019, not expected to re-sign with the Saints. 
Uh, so maybe they're trying to see if they can get anything for him now. And, you know, for all those people really freaking out about Kamara, if that happens, then Kamara goes right back to that 20-touch guy we've been loving in the first few weeks of the season. I think that's definitely an option. And look at Philadelphia as a possible suitor. Um, I think that's an option. I've heard also, you know, Kamara was a little banged up. Bye week coming up, we'll take it easy with them. Uh, when you looked at total touches, yes, Ingram had more, but it wasn't by as much as it seemed like when you're just watching the game. Uh, it could be a lot of things. The, the trade one's very interesting because it makes a lot of business sense. It actually makes a ton of sense. So that'll be one to definitely keep an eye on. And people, you know, the people say, "Oh no, Saints need Ingram," and you know, uh, it may be their last Super Bowl run with Breeze, and they need Ingram. But you know what? It, while that may be true, and that's what we, the way we think, business thinks totally different, and the game exactly. is still a business. Yep, if they can trade him for a draft pick or two or something, they will do that in a heartbeat. So that was something to think about there. Uh, Tampa Bay was on a bye last week. They come back. I just want to bring this up right now because Ronald Jones is finally active and he led the team in touches at the running back position. Um, this is a hot topic. I, I know I picked him up that Sunday morning when they said he was active on a lot of wires that he's available, and my leagues were pissed that I did that. But I'm like, hey, I, I was there. You weren't. Not my problem. But um, what's your thoughts on Ronald Jones? Because it looks like they might finally be passing the torch to him at the running back position. Yeah, but the problem was he's probably going to fumble the torch. you know look i I, he looked terrible in preseason there was a reason he was a healthy scratch through three games the only reason he's active now is because peyton barber looked like crap didn't do a damn thing didn't open up anything for them and why not give the young kid a chance maybe he proves it now maybe he's one of those guys that doesn't play well in practice you know really just needs to step on the field and in a real game and get it done. And that's what people are buying into now, the hope. Because, you know, let's face it, he's one of the few running backs left that you can have hope with because he hasn't done anything yet. True. Uh, a couple more questions for you here. Uh, Kenyon Drake finally had a big game this past week, but he still got outtouched by, of all people, um, uh, Frank Gore. It just makes no sense at all. How do you – like, I finally benched Kenyon Drake last week and he goes off, of course, just of, of all things. But I couldn't – I'm not mad at my process there. It's just been so bad. Um, what do you do with Kenyon Drake? Well, you know, if it's me and I'm holding Kenyon Drake and I'm really not uh, – I'm not a big Kenyon Drake guy. And, you know, all preseason, all we heard was how good Frank Gore looked and they're going to get him involved. And that's all we've seen so far all years. They've been getting Frank Gore involved. You know what? If you can't beat out a 35-year-old running back, uh, it may be time for you to hang him up too. Sure. Uh, you know, he had a good week, but that wasn't really in the running game. He had a good week in the passing game, which is something we know, you know we've been saying all along they should be using him in, and they haven't been. So hopefully that's a change in the right direction. But if you're sitting on Kenyon Drake, and I know I've said this a lot already, but if you're sitting on Kenyon Drake right now, now's the time to sell. Trade him. Yep. There's a lot of guys you can trade. You mentioned him, uh, James Conner. There's a handful of running backs you could trade or trade for. Um, you can make a lot of lot of damage this week in the trade market. I think it's a good time to go try to do it. Uh, a couple of things for you. So we talked Robbie Anderson. We talked Mohamed Sanu, um, Kiki Kuti. Well, here's what we haven't Kuti. talked. Can I can I interject? Yeah. One on? Look, you know, it's not a name that people like, not a name that people think much about. But Ryan Grant is quietly in PPR Beautiful. leagues been double-digit scores in four out of five weeks. Yep. So he's established himself with a pretty safe floor, but he also established himself he doesn't have a high ceiling. 
He's not going to win you a game any week. But if you can count on double-digit points each and every week, then that's a guy that really is a nice play in that wide receiver three or in that flex spot, especially as we start to get into the bye weeks where four or six teams are on bye. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's just a matter of fact that he is – you know, behind Hilton, the second best receiver. Even when Hilton was on the field, he was still getting his shots. So he doesn't get affected by that, whereas Chester Rogers will. Once Hilton comes back, Chester Rogers folds back into the shadows, and we see him and Ryan Grant getting Hilton and Ryan Grant getting most of the work. So right now, people, you know, they keep bypassing Ryan Grant, thinking, oh, he's nothing, he's nothing. But meanwhile, he's gotten double-digit points at four out of five weeks. No, I love that call. Uh, I think it's a great call. He's very, very reliable and consistent. I like consistent in my fantasy teams. That's something that's good to have. Um, any final thoughts? Any other final players? As we, we covered a lot of things, any waiver wire guys we didn't mention that you might be targeting this week? Well, well you might have to look at Devontae Booker as much as I hate it. They finally got him involved Ooh. in the passing game. You know, hopefully that trend continues because, let's face it, the other guys are not pass receivers to that point. Booker is definitely a better pass receiver than they are. Not really somebody I'd spend a lot of money on, but I also don't think you have to spend a lot of money on. A lot of people aren't going to be grabbing at him, but, you know, and it's really a flyer at this point to see if that kind of trend can continue going forward. Let's face it, Case Keenum, at least in my opinion, is not playing as good as I expected him to. And, uh, you know, at that point, he's not getting the ball to the wide receivers as much. He did it this past week only in garbage time. Before that, he was completely shut down uh both sanders and demarius thomas didn't do anything until the end when they were trying to fight back against his jets team um he's just not playing very well so i think we start to see more checkdowns from him as he starts to lose his confidence uh going down the field and you know with that i think booker starts to come into play i'm not a big booker guy either don't i've never been a big booker guy but they're not using the other running backs in, in as of receiving back at all. So if Booker takes that role, he could be very viable in a PPR league. Interesting. I like your heads out on that one. So that'll be good. Well, with that being said, we'll wrap things up tonight, Jim. Uh, you can find his work on uh, Fighting Chance Fantasy. He's doing daily spots and shows over on FNTSY. He's on Twitter at Fantasy Taz. Anything else I missed there, Jim? No, that's about it right now. It seems to be taking all my time. That's beautiful. <laughs> Doing 13 hours a week on the Fantasy Sports Network. And believe oh me, if you know me at all, uh, at, if you see me at all, I have my notebooks everywhere. I have notes <laughs> in all of them, uh, and I, I take a ton of notes. So I, I spend a lot of time working up for those 13 hours. I love it. Yeah, I got stuff all over my desk here. My wife always my wife always goes, why don't you organize things? I said, it is organized. It, yeah, it is. I know where everything is. As long as you don't touch it, we're good. Yeah, exactly. It's very organized. But, uh, Jim, thanks for joining me tonight. I had a great time. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks. I appreciate that you having me on. It was fun, definitely. Always looking to talk football. Excellent. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 125 with Jim Day recapping week five. Looking forward to week six. Catch you guys later.